In today's episode, Italian composer Giovanni Rotondo talks about how foreign credits don't have the same impact as local ones and how he's ended up convincing Oscar-winning composers to feature on his website, filmscoringtips.com. Welcome to the Soundtrack.academy podcast, bringing you advice on soundtrack composition and production, as well as insights into the media music industry. Each week, I talk with a guest working in media music to discuss how they got started, their creative process, and other knowledge they've gained from their experiences. For links, show notes, and to see all of my previous guests, visit soundtrack.academy slash podcast. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite platform. And if you enjoy the show, please also leave me a review. It not only helps me to convince these wonderful guests to join me, but also helps other people find the show too. Last week I asked, well, maybe begged you to share the podcast with as many people as possible in order to help me hit the 1000 plays milestone. Well, I can't thank you all enough because so many of you did share the podcast and we didn't just hit the 1000 mark, we absolutely smashed it. As of today, there have been 1150 plays. So once again, thank you all so much. I can really feel a great community building around this podcast and I'm really excited to see where it takes us. Okay, so today's guest is Giovanni Rotondo, who's an Italian composer living in London. And if you spend any time searching for advice on film scoring, it's likely that you'll have stumbled across his website, filmscoringtips.com. The unique thing about this site is that it brings together music editors, film directors, composers, and all the other creatives that are involved in putting music to picture to give you a well-rounded view of the professional film scoring process. And as I mentioned in the intro, he's even had Oscar-winning composers write for the site. Let's hear what he has to say about moving countries for your career, the power of making friends through networking, and how beneficial it can be to embrace working with other composers. Hi, Giovanni. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. Great. Can we start with a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, I'm a film and TV composer, and um, uh, you can hear from my accent, um, I, I am Italian. And I've been uh, living in London for uh, four years almost now. Great. And what, what brought you to London? Um, well, I was reaching a point to my career in Italy where the glass ceiling was in sight. And uh, I, I really wanted to be in a place where I had more opportunities and exciting projects uh, all around me. And London seemed... The, the perfect compromise without going too far away from home. Yeah, not all the way, opposite side of the world in LA. <laughs> and uh, have, you, have you found that to be the case in London? Have you found that you've had more opportunity there? Well, to be honest, it's been a little slow, uh, but um, I, can, I can see the potential for um, passing the, the glass ceiling I was talking about. Sure. Having said that, uh, no, the kind of projects I, I was working on in Italy were uh, rather, you know, medium to high budgets. And I haven't done any of those in London yet. I'm still working on it. But I, I'm pretty happy with the things I'm doing. So Great. no that, complaints. <laughs> that's really interesting, though. Um, do you think that's because there's, there's more competition in, in London, perhaps? Um, uh, that is one thing for sure, but, uh, I think 
uh, I was a little romantically thinking <laughs> that everything I've done in Italy would translate here in terms of CV and credibility. Whereas I'm finding uh, producers and directors really want to see uh, projects that are UK bound before judging the work of a composer or even considering a composer to jump on board of their productions. So I, I am to the stage to having to rebuild a little bit my CV, basically, with projects from the UK. That's fascinating. I wonder if that's the same worldwide. Like if, you know, obviously a lot of composers moved to LA for that same reason. And I wonder if, if it's the same there, whether the, the foreign credits don't translate into Los Angeles terms too. I don't know, but probably, probably it is, there is something, there would be something similar. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, I think it's, it's understandable a little bit. Of course. Uh, you, you know, even, even if I name the networks I've worked for, I, I did, I scored a few TV movies for Rai Uno, which is the Italian BBC one. It, if you say that to an Italian director, it makes an impact. If you say it to, to somebody for, from another country, it's definitely a different yeah. effect. Yeah, there's that, yeah. Yeah, the prestige isn't there, I suppose, in their minds. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So how did you actually learn to compose? Um, I did study. I, I graduated from uh, Berklee College of Music. So that, that was the where I specialized and, and really understood the technical basics and, and, and went in depth with the, um, the art of composing music for visuals. But I, I did experiment a lot before that. Um, I, my brother used to shoot short films and he knew I loved playing piano and writing music. And so he, he proposed that help him with, with his first uh, works. And so, yeah, um, yeah I've, I've, I could see I had a very strong predisposition for the, for the field. And were you musical before you, you went to Berkeley? Had you, had you had piano lessons or had you just been self-taught? I had piano lessons, private piano lessons. I've, I started rather young. I was, I think, four years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I wouldn't say I was a, I, I, I didn't study a lot. Like I really liked sitting to the piano and by the piano and playing and, and um, but compared to other friends or, or people that I knew that, that played piano and were pretty much getting their sight reading chops and that's it. I really liked finding new sounds and, and melodies and something you could call an early stage composing, I guess. Right. And how do you, how do you define your, your style of composition? That is a one million, million dollar question. <laughs> uh, um, well, I think I have finally found the answer to this question, maybe this year uh, or, or at the end of last year. I would say my favorite most comfortable style of writing is neoclassical. Um, sometimes I, I, I like to have a little more epic sound as well, though. Like 
full orchestra or or um, fanfares kind of writing. Having said that, though, I really like experimenting and and being thrown in uh, styles of music that aren't my first choice or or something that I haven't been too familiar with. And so having to do some research and, and experimentation. When these kind of projects come along, uh, at the end of, of these kind of projects, I, I feel I've grown the most. And um, yeah, I mean, I can't say I have a new style within my palette. Yeah. So uh, you projects that, that encourage you to grow and, and, and push yourself as a musician are the ones that you find the most exciting. I do. I, I, they are also the most terrorizing when I start <laughs> at the beginning, but then they are rewarding. And, um, and so when, when somebody asks me, well, what's your style? I can't help but very quickly thinking back of all these, where, you know, all these projects, uh, a video game where I wrote dubstep music, which is completely you know, if you know a little bit about me and music, you you would say what? <laughs> but um, I mean, I think a film composer should be able to uh, adapt to many different styles, and eventually, it's it's a matter of research. There is a phase of research when you start a new project, and and you know the kind of music that is needed. Um, in fact, I, I remember in Berkeley there was a class specifically aimed at that, how to research styles of music you're not familiar with if the project requires them. Uh, so that's why I said it's a million-dollar question, uh, because from in, in, on one side, it's a very good thing to have your own style and to be able to be a little bit pigeonholed in that style, because it means that people will come and, and look for you for that particular style over and over, and, and it's a good thing. It's a, lots of work can come from it. But on the other hand, uh, it would preclude you from, from uh, getting a broader range of projects. And if you see those Hollywood composers, you know, that, that, that work a lot today, like I'm thinking Michael Giacchino or Alexandre Desplat. They do seem to, to be able to write in many different styles. Definitely. And I think the more different styles that they write in, the more they develop their own sound within those styles. That is correct. Yeah, that, that's, in fact, to, to be able to find one's voice, regardless of the style, I think that's the... That's the goal. That's the holy grail. Yeah. 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 And have you always been interested in orchestral music or did, were you playing sort of pop or, or uh, I don't know, psychedelic music beforehand? Um, no, I, I would say, yeah, orchestral, since I was very, very young, I was fascinated by orchestra and, and the multitude of sounds you can get out of it. Uh, so it's always been my first choice. But um, closely second comes electronic, uh, less less uh, dance music and more 
radiohead kind of electronic music okay yeah great two sides of the spectrum then but obviously yes but closely linked in in many ways as well exactly yeah yeah so how did you first get into your your first projects i mean i know you did a few short films with your your brother um how did you move into more professional the more professional world um after graduating from school i did spend one year in los angeles to do a uh, internship through through berkeley and that was amazing uh i did not score uh write mu- much music during that year i did a couple of short films but i worked as a um, uh, assistant music editor on some enlightening films um and uh, so this is this is this was the first proper work that i did uh, i did uh, write uh, work on uh, spider-man tree and um a few other films and i was even able to witness um, a scoring session by Danny Elfman, which was incredible. Um, But then the first big project for for my composer's career um, came when I was back in Rome. Um, After being assistant to composers and and doing some orchestration here and there, I created... um, I had a good relationship with a few directors and one of them, um, he he was in the middle of a, of a film. He had the composer already attached, but the composer had to leave the project. So there was very little time and uh, coincidentally a couple of weeks before I had told him, give me a chance, you know, the next time you, you have a, a project, I'm ready. I feel I'm ready. Uh, so he gave me he gave me the chance. It was great. It was you know I'm very grateful to him, and um, and this was a, a Rayuno prime time TV TV movie, a two episode TV movie. So um, yeah, that that was the first big shot, and I, I would say it, it went very well. Everybody was happy. <laughs> the, the experience was mind blowing for me. First time going to the orchestra it was very nice. Great. What did you learn from that experience? Um, I would say the main thing, I, I've learned a lot, like really a lot. And it would, it would take me time to even organize the ideas <laughs> of that question. But the main thing uh, that I learned is that I am capable of working on very tight schedules. Something that I suspected I was able to do, but once... You know, unless you do it, you, you don't know for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, and that was, it was terrorizing. It was so scary. I <laughs> I had so little time. I remember I woke up during ni- the night now and then, and I was like almost panicking. <laughs> and m- my wife, saint woman, she would call me and say, you, you can do it. You can do this. Don't worry wake up very early in the morning and you can do it. <laughs> and so I followed her advices and yeah, and I was able to, to, to finish it. Um, but yeah, this is a, to learn what your pace is in terms of writing per day, per hour, etc. It, it's an invaluable um, piece of information to have. Have you found that's the the normal way of working as well? Very, very intensely for short periods of time. 
yes, but depending on the project, okay, there are various degrees of of that, and uh, it's not always been so crazy as as that first um, project. It did happen again like that a few times. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is not a job for the uh, Epicurean lazy kind of <laughs> person that only wants to work a few hours a day, you know. But at the same time, in between projects, you have all the time you need to to rest and to recharge. Yeah. How do you go about finding projects now then, after your, your first kind of big break? Are you, do you, are you looking through adverts and pitching for work or are you focusing on building a network? The second more like the uh, the the network the networking is is still key um because there isn't a very organized way otherwise um there is um there are i do try to pitch here and there i look around for posts and for for opportunities but i found networking is by far the most uh rewarding strategy and um and networking is a, is an art to learn it's not it's not something and especially for me i, I was i am um a little shy uh, and i was very shy before um it was something that i needed to do and do and do in order to uh make it work and and to really understand what networking is because you you can find around articles and um, lots of literature about networking, but one thing that they don't say often is networking really means making friends, and and that's when when you manage to do that, but honestly, like really becoming friend with somebody, and and exchanging ideas and talking about everything then you create a special connection and and you both feel to work with each other i don't know if that makes sense totally yeah i've, I've had a, a, a few people lean towards that now it's not you shouldn't network for work you should be networking to make friends and the work will come exactly kind of thing yeah yeah johnny here and i hope you're enjoying the show so far if you want to learn the ins and outs of soundtrack composition, including the skills and equipment you'll need, as well as the entire process of creating music for the moving image, you can download my free ebook, The Media Scoring Guide, by visiting soundtrack.academy ebook. It's a 40-page, 10,000-word book outlining everything you need to know to get started. Visit soundtrack.academy ebook to get your copy for free today. Now let's get back to our guest. And are you are you focused on or purely on original music for original films, or do you also pitch for library music and production music and things like that too? Um, as of October of this of two thousand eighteen, I have started doing library music as well. I was a little snobbish about it before, and, <laughs> and I feel bad because I was wrong. Um, I've read. I, I was in touch with a, a library owner. And he heard some of my music and then suggested I'd read the articles by Dan Graham, 
on mm-hmm. um, sound on sound uh, and they they were really enlightening they most of all aside from all the valuable info on how to do it on how how much you can get from it which is considerably uh, you know con- a considerable uh, amount to think about but it gave me the motivation to do it in a way that i feel i'm i'm producing something of uh, of quality so, uh, the same uh, way that i feel when i produce a, a film score so i do I, I like writing an album and and giving it giving all myself in it and and making it a great product and then thinking in the head uh, like like i was the client what what would the client want of this piece of music in in this particular section or how should i name this track and and how i i'm a little bit of a control freak i <laughs> for for the for the three albums i've done so far i asked to be able to design the art the artworks um uh, and give titles and those are things that usually library owners take care of yeah but i really like to to package it uh all around and um yeah i've been it's it's something i've liked doing and i i will keep doing even though i don't have enough time to <laughs> to judge whether or not it's a sustainable activity it can be hard i i, I think i saw dan graham talking the other day about it can take years sometimes before a track starts making money. So you That's still, a lot of it's kind yeah. of throwing out in the wind and waiting to see what comes back. That's right. But I like the idea of diversification, which is something mm. that is, it's a financial kind of uh, thing, but I think it applies very well to, to the life of a modern composer. It's good to have many different kind of projects um ongoing and alternate them both for your mind because it mm-hmm. allows to really have your brain to, to breathe and to refresh uh but also possibly you know what from one of these different things something very good could come yeah how did you when you first sat down to write your first piece of library music um did you find it difficult not having a visual to work with? Not at all, actually, no. Um, the way I, did, I proceeded was um, I started with an idea, a, a visual idea, like, like for instance, I want to make a piece that works well for a war movie. And, and so I started brainstorming themes and, and motives and harmonies. Then the day after I did um, a space odyssey movie, etc. So I kind of had a visual idea in my, man, in my mind, <clears throat> which was very helpful. I like to, to, to create restrictions when, when I work. And probably this is a, a professional deformation of every film composer, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but no, actually, it was, it was fun not to be bound to the pictures for once. It's, yeah. Uh, 
I mean, I, I love it. I love it when I have the pictures and they inspire things that would not be in the music otherwise. But it's nice to change now and then. Yeah, again, I think the diversification factor played nicely. Yeah, yeah. So when you get a new project and you, you're first asked to work on something, what's the, what's the first thing you do? Where do you start? Um, so if, if it's a film TV, uh, let's say, yeah. an, a quote unquote, a normal kind of project, <laughs> um, I really love to, re- to read the script before, if I have a chance, if there's time and, um, you know, maybe sometimes if the movie has not been shot yet or is being shot, um, I really like to, to read the script, take notes, start thinking musically, maybe restraining myself from actually putting the, my hands on the keyboard, but, but starting to have the brain move in the right direction. Um, otherwise, I, I like to do the same, but with the, you know, the, the locked, yeah, let's call it locked. <laughs> a lot um, uh, picture and this I mean before even meeting the director for the spotting session and then yeah the spotting session is so important it's something that it's not as much a given as it was a few years ago unfortunately but it's so important I love to, to sit with the director and ask lots of questions uh, and really get a sense of what his vision is about, about the movie, about what the audience needs to feel at you know, every particular um, section. So that, that's the first thing. And in terms of composing, I, am, I, I love writing thematic music. So once I have an idea <clears throat> of what is needed, I sit down, without the, the film for a second and trying to just use my visual memory, um, I compose a few themes. And do you focus on, on melodic themes or, or is harmony part of your theme development as well? Uh, yeah, both. both. Um, I give priority to melody most of the times, but not always. There are, there, there are cases where um, I start with an harmony or with a ostinato figure or something like that. And I love not to have one standard way of doing things. Like I try different things depending on the nature of the project. Um, so I wouldn't say there is one uh, thing that I do every time. It, it, can, it can vary. Sure. Do you tend to um, orchestrate and expand out as you go, or do you try to sketch across a, a long section first and then pad it out afterwards? Uh, instinctively, I, tr- I tend to orchestrate as I go, but more and more I am restraining myself from doing that. I keep the orchestration ideas that I have in my mind or in a note file that I have um, on the side of my DAW and I try to go horizontally as fast as I can and as far as I can. And, and this is being rewarding me a lot. Like I'm, I find that this way 
uh, allows me to keep to to put all the, uh, the good ideas down first to keep uh, an objective perspective on on the large picture within a queue um and if something doesn't work i haven't wasted <laughs> lots of of hours f- refining uh you know a, a french horn section or something like that yeah. once once the horizontal uh writing is done and i'm sure it works i can then concentrate on orchestrating which is one of my favorite activities so i, I it's one it's almost like Okay, I've done my work. Now I can reward myself. <laughs> Let's do some orchestration. Yeah, it's where it really starts coming alive. Yes. Am I right in understanding that you've done some game music composition as well? That is correct. Yeah, I've done not not a lot. I've done a few. It was a but it was a fun, and I, I'd I'd like to do more eventually. It was a fun activity. Um, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Well, what do you find are the are the, are the main differences, and how do you, how do you make your music interactive like that with for for a game? Um, well, the the thing the the games that I worked on were mostly needed mostly um, underscore music, which wasn't that different from uh, film or TV. In fact, in a couple of cases, I uh, scored to a recording of a of a game of a play okay uh in in another occasion um this game was called boxes with gun it did was not very popular <laughs> launch unfortunately but it, it was a very neat concept um basically some of the guns on the spaceship were triggered by a specific um frequency range within oh, cool. the music oh, wow. so i had to keep that in mind while writing and 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 this frequency didn't have to be triggered constantly or too little so it, it, it was needed to have a good balance and a good alternation between uh, having uh, things going on there and not having them uh so yeah that was very different from writing something for film and tv and um and lastly uh one project that was rather fun to work for on because it was it was very different uh, it was a vr game and um i remember the first sub, uh, set of of uh, cues that that i submitted they didn't work very well because i did write them thinking too much cinematically and when uh, a solo flute would come up the developer told me he was he tended to turn around to to watch the flute in the direction where where it was coming from so i had to rethink um the writing there to make it more a texture uh, immersive kind of sound but one thing that I haven't had much experience with and is um, procedural kind of um, of music, music triggered by events and things like that, where you really need um, a specific software called it's a genre, it's a kind of software called middleware, 
Uh, but yeah, I don't have lots of experience with them yet. If you know, if the right occasions should arise, I'll study them. Great. You run uh, filmscoringtips.com as well. Yes. Which is a, a great resource for both film composers and uh, directors as well. That's correct. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes. Um, this is a rather young project of mine. I started in September, but um, I've had a, a, an astonishing response from, from the community of composers and, and uh, filmmakers. And um, the mission of the website is to provide great tips uh, bound within the realm of film music, regardless on the uh, profession, or to be more precise, there are tips for composers, there are tips for filmmakers. We just started a series uh, for film editors, and um, the articles are, are written by a multitude of professionals, um, and some of them have worked on incredible projects, we, one of the highlights so far has been uh, an article written by Dario Marianelli, who is an um, Academy Award winner, uh, composer. And, and it was a, a very in intense and honest article about uh, dealing and overcoming tough obstacles and dealing with stress and anxiety. Um, I would say this. This has been. I, I, I'm. I'm loving it. I'm loving uh, thinking of the next phases for the <laughs> blog and and what kind of uh, articles to write. And I am in talk with a lot of people right now that uh, will contribute. And some of them, some of the names, I, I can't. I can't name names until you know it's it's on paper, but. I'm very excited about it. I, I've, uh, I couldn't be happier with, with how it's going. Amazing. And there's some, yeah, there are some amazing uh, tips on there as well. It really, a lot of quite high level stuff that um, beginner composers really would not have any idea where to start. And that it gives them that, that push into that thing, you know, like how to get ready for an orchestration, for an actual orchestral session, things like that. Yes, the idea, this is what I say to everyone, uh, author, guest author, is the idea is what are the tips that you wish you had, had been told when you were younger? What are the things you would say to your younger self you could, if you could take a, a time machine and go back in time? Because sometimes I do think of, this kind, of these things and, and I, now I take notes, <laughs> but, but <laughs> it, it did happen um, over all my career that I, that I thought, I wish I knew this thing when, you know, five years ago I was in that particular project. At the end of the day, this is a very, um, it's, it's, a, it's a career where you need to know a lot of things and not only music bound. Music is only one side of, of the composer's path. Mm -hmm. You need to know about legal issues, uh, accounting issues, uh, networking skills, and tech. You know, only only the tech involved is humongous. 
So I don't think there is one school or place where you can learn it all. So to have a tangible uh, literature coming from people that know those things because they have done them, because they, they went through it and they can share uh, ways to make things work faster and better. I think that's, that's a very interesting uh, thing to provide to the community. And it is one thing that I, I didn't find much of this when I decided to start it. Um, in fact, I was quite surprised <laughs> that there wasn't or there weren't many, uh, yeah, many, many websites like, like Film Scoring Tips. Yeah, I think, I think there's been a big shift in the last, I guess it's 10 to 15 years of, of moving away from more orchestral stuff and, and it's become a lot more accessible music production. That's and right, I think the, yes. a lot of the advice and the, the articles and things that are out there are a bit lost in terms of whether they should be old school orchestral or modern and tech focused. I think that's, yeah, that's what I'm seeing anyway. Yeah, and there's probably also, there's fragmentation. Probably that's one of the um, social, social networks. You know, uh, we are both members of, of uh, at least one or two groups of composers, which are great. Mm-hmm. And um, you can find lots of tips in, in them. But it's not an, a very organized <laughs> place. It's not... Uh, I wanted to have one place where people can go and, and you know, fire the search uh, box and find whatever they, they need in, in a second. Uh, and and why not this content coming from amazing pro- professionals that yeah. break the credibility wall right away? Yeah, you know, yeah, brilliant. You mentioned um, the amount of tech that's involved in, in in film scoring nowadays, and that's something that I I do ask every guest: is what's your go to gear, your go to equipment, or sample libraries? What do you find that you use the most? Um. I should mention that I am, I am starting a new series on the blog called The Mobile Composer because I, I really think being mobile is, is everything now. It's, it's very important and probably it, it's easy to understand why I think like that coming from another country and I, I am very used to traveling around for projects. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so my go-to gear it's my is in my MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a laptop. I have um, a few pieces of hardware, but they are all rather portable as well. Mm-hmm. Um, sample library wise, I I have an uh, I work with an with the Vienna Ensemble Pro kind of architecture. I have contact inside and. Um, I did use Vienna, Vienna Instruments uh, sounds before a lot. I did grow a little tired of the, of the orchestral sound of Vienna. So I'm transitioning to Spitfire right now and so far so good. <laughs> uh, aside from that, um, 
yeah, for electronics, I I have a, lots of plugins. I try to hear the latest things. And you have mm-hmm. a, a composer has to be updated and and having his hard drive the the latest sounds. So I I try to be on top of things as much as I can. Sure, the modern sounding stuff. Yeah, great. Okay, we're coming coming up to the top of time now. So what's your one piece of advice that you would give to someone who's starting out is, uh, trying to become a film composer? Um, so if I had the time machine and I could go back in time, I'd say to my younger self, be open and, and strong, really, strongly rely on other composers. Uh, it's very important to share the knowledge to create a sense of community and more and more so i think we live in a moment in time where there are many many composers as, as you said the competition is huge and is um, uh, great but i think to to create a, a sense of community a sense of union and and uh, working together yeah i i think this this would this would be very helpful Great. Well, thank you so much once again for coming on the show, Giovanni. Can't wait to read your new articles on filmscoringtips.com as well. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, you know, I have started listening to podcasts recently, but uh, I'll definitely be a fan of yours. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Okay, take care, Giovanni. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope that you learned plenty from that episode. Don't forget to grab your free copy of my ebook, The Media Scoring Guide, by visiting soundtrack.academy slash ebook. In the book, I take you through all of the skills and equipment you'll need to be a media composer, as well as explaining the entire process of scoring a media music project. Once again, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite platform, and we'll see you in next week's episode. Thanks for listening, and wherever you are in the world, I hope you have a creative day.